Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is the man who was selected 29th overall in the 1974 amateur draft. During his 14-year NHL career, he started for the, starred with the Buffalo Sabres, Detroit Red Wings, and Edmonton Oilers. He was a two-time All-Star. He's twice scored 50 goals for the Sabres. He was inducted into the Buffalo Sabres Hall of Fame in 1994. And on November 22, 2005, he had his number 18 jersey retired by the Sabres. It is a pleasure to welcome the man who holds the Sabres team records for most goals by a right wing with 267 and most game-tying goals with 21, the one and only Danny Garrett of 540 AM Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Danny. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me on. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, and it's our pleasure to have you on for sure. And, and we're going to take you way back. We're going to go back to your junior <laughs> hockey years as a memory of the Calgary Centennials, coached by Roderick Scotty Monroe, who had been coaching hockey at that point for 16 years. During that period, he developed more professional hockey players than any other coach in junior hockey. He had 78 players go from the teams he coached to the NHL, the ALL, and the Western Canada League. Your teams would add substantially to that total. Sports writers in Western Canada declared him the most colorful coach in Western hockey. What do you remember about him, and what made him such a good coach? Well, it's funny. I left home at 16 to go play uh, junior in, in Calgary. Um, I was bird-dogged at a couple of different uh, hockey camps and, and evaluation camps. and I went to actually with Mike Rogers, a former Ranger. Uh, he was a, We were both just turning 17, and we both uh, were, were fortunate to make the team that year. Um, Mike played a little more than me the first year. I sat up with Scotty a lot. He wasn't coaching. He had got out of it that year, and Chuck Holdaway, another gentleman that he had mentored, came in to coach, and I sat with him. a very quiet individual, but fiery, and, and used to sit in, in the press box with him in the old Calgary Corral, and he'd tell me this and that and what to do not to do or watch this guy or watch that guy and so forth and so on. He was a very good mentor. He really knew the game well, and, um, it was very interesting for me as a youngster to see how he could look at the game a little differently as, you know, as a player and, and, and tell you different things. So that was very instrumental, I think, in me getting to where I got my second year where I, I scored 45 goals the second year, only 10 the first year. I didn't play that much, maybe 40 games, Mark. And then the last year I broke the record for most goals by right winger and penalty minutes, uh, 68 goals and 238 penalty minutes. We had a great team. We had John Davidson on our team. We had Bobby Nystrom on our team. We had Jimmy Watson. I mean, there were a lot of great players, as you mentioned, that came out of you know, his, his mentorship and what he, he did for that organization. It's funny you mentioned those teammates. So you had Rod, Mike Rogers, Bobby Nystrom, Jerry Holland also, uh, Jerry J, Holland, J, yeah. J.D. And, and Jimmy Watson. Could You know, it's hard, I guess, as a kid that's trying to, to make his mark and trying to get to the next level to get to the NHL to, to yeah. maybe realize the other guys on the team. Did you know at, at, at any given point that those guys also had what it took to get to the NHL? Well, you know, it's funny when you're that young, 
um, you know, all you're kind of worried about is yourself to keep, to keep improving, and and you want your teammates to do well also. But I think um, when you when I saw Jimmy Watson uh, leave, um, uh, with my second year there, and Bobby Nystrom leave, and John Davidson leave, and and you know they made it they made it um, you know right a, right off the bat an imprint in, in the National Hockey League for their teams and. Um, that gives you hope. Yeah, it gives you a lot of hope that you can do the same thing. So, yeah, I think that, you know, and we saw quite a few of them in the Western Hockey League that did that. Uh, I can go on and name a number of names that I played against, but it was, um, it just gave you hope and it gave you a chance to maybe you can do it, you know. It's interesting you mentioned how you saw the kids go on and make marks with their NHL teams. One of your teammates you know, never made it to the NHL, but he would leave his mark in the game in a different way, and that's Don Hay. Could you tell right. at an early you know, age that you know, he had you know, leadership qualities? You know, because he went on to be a very good coach and motivator as well. Could you see that you know, he had those skills as a young man? Yeah, you know, Donnie, um, he came to a couple camps when I was there, and I was a year older than him, but, you know, you could tell that he, he, he was very disciplined in what he did. You know, um, maybe his skill was okay, but, you know, he, 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 he was very one of these intuitive guys that would always ask questions, why are you doing this, why are you doing that? But I think, you know, you know his, his uh, acumen was very good. He understood the game very well and um yeah he went on to have a great career in junior and in the national hockey league so it, it's just i think guys uh, take different paths but um you know i i mean i got into coaching after i retired a little bit down here in tampa bay and um which was fun for me but you know you gotta really you gotta be you know a life you really gotta enjoy it and want to do it for a long time or stay in it you know and it's just a difficult profession as we've seen with a lot of coaches and the turnover and this and that, but Donnie was a very good kid and um, his dad played and uh, he came from a good family. And um, yeah, no, I think he, he certainly deserved to be the coach and the time he put in was amazing. We're talking with former NHL star, excuse me, Danny Gare. Um, your final season with the Centennials, you had 127 points. You're selected by the Sabres with the 29th pick of the 1974 NHL amateur draft. What do you rem- obviously draft day was significantly different than it is today. Yeah. What do you remember about draft day? Mowing the lawn. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously. <laughs> so how did you find out that you were picked by the Sabres? Well, it was funny. Um, Punch Imlac called my my home, and I was out front. And we li- we're from a little town, great little town called Nelson, British Columbia, Body Hill. So I'm pushing the lawnmower up the hill, and my mom, my front lawn, and my mom comes yelling out, and I couldn't hear a damn thing because the lawnmower was so loud. She's screaming from the porch, and I said, I stopped the lawnmower. She says, what, Mom? She goes, punch Imlax on the phone. Punch Imlax on the phone. So I run down all sweaty and run into the kitchen and pick up the phone, and he says, you know, Danny, we're proud to draft you number two by the Buffalo Sabres and so forth and so on. We're looking forward to, you know, having you come to camp and this and that. And so... Yeah, it was quite a thrill, but that's now it's a lot different from what the kids do now, isn't it, Mark? Oh, unbelievable. No cell phone. <laughs> yeah. you know, hey, they're all there as well. That, that's pretty they're all neat. there, yeah. Mowing they're the all lawn, there. Which... Mowing the lawn, you got to turn off the lawnmower of his punch Imlax on the phone. That's pretty wild. <laughs> you know, the Vancouver Blazers of the WHA were interested in signing you as well. What was the deciding factor 
you know, that made you go directly to the NHL when a lot of guys at that point were really considering the WHA as an alternative? Well, it, I don't mean to correct you, but it was the Winnipeg Jets. They drafted me in the third round. Um, and I remember John Ferguson, who was the general manager. Uh, Vancouver Blazers were just coming in that year, but John Ferguson was matching almost the same money, and that's what they were trying to do, the WHA at the time, get young kids. You know, they started the underage draft, 18-year-olds, two weeks. They did that two weeks before the NHL draft. So that year, there were 12 underage drafts in my in the first round. And um, we had one in Buffalo, Lee Fogland. Um, my roommate that year in Calgary was Grant Mulby. And he called me the night before the draft and said, I wish you luck, Danny. He went number one to Chicago. I went number two. I had to call him back and congratulate him. So, <laughs> yeah, it was it was an interesting time for two leagues, but I always wanted to play in the NHL. And John Ferguson, was I met him. He was a class act. I mean, he, I would have played for him any day. But, um, I, like I said, I, Punch Imlach came out, and we signed a deal on Father's Day. I'll never forget it. He flew from Toronto, and... Um, I was excited about going to Buffalo. You know, here in New York, everyone is focused on the youth movement of the New York Rangers. If you right. look at your rookie year with the Sabres, they had a 19-year-old Lee Foglin, 21-year-old right. Jim Schoenfeld, 22-year-old Peter McNabb, a 23-year-old Gilbert Perot and Rick Martin. Rennie Robert was an old man on that team at 25 years old. Right. That team went 49-16-15. and 15. What made that team with so many young players so good so soon? Well, I think a lot of it was we we we, we uh, you know we had good chemistry. We got along very well, um, and and there was a lot of talent. I mean, I I can I played with a lot of players in the game from you know Gretzky to Messier. Uh, Jill Perot was as good as any of them. You know, as far as skill goes, I mean, he he was an amazing, amazing player, and so was you know her, his line mates yeah. were too shabby with Rick Martin and. And Rennie Robert and the French Connection, but we just we just seemed to, you know, engulf. I think uh, the the ability to to just to go out and play in front of our fans who were great at the time and and catch fire that year and uh, went on to lose to the Flyers in the finals. But it continued. Uh, for, I think we had from seventy four seventy five when I got there, we had five continuous one hundred point seasons. You know, and we just couldn't get to that next level it was from whatever reasons and but it was a great group of guys uh, you know, we had a lot of a lot of laughs a lot of uh, you know worked very hard we had guys like rick dudley who was a tough guy brian <laughs> spencer played well for us lee Foglin, as you mentioned before uh jerry Corab. so we we had a good blend and mix of guys yeah it was fun did you kind of have to pinch yourself because not only did you get your career started off in, a, in the right way with a goal in your first game, but the team experienced so much success through 30 games. You only had four regulation losses. Did you kind yeah. of have to pinch yourself and realize, I'm here in the NHL and we're succeeding? Well, you know, it was funny. I'm uh, I, um, getting ready to go out uh, for the, my first game, and, and, you know, we're playing against the Stanley Cup finalists, and I'm <laughs> sitting next to Don Luce and Craig Ramsey, who were – Excellent mentors and great teammates also, you know, great defensive players. And I was on a checking line with them is how I started. And 
and we were up against, uh, I lined up against Cashman, Hodge, and Esposito, Oren Badney, and Cheevers in the net, and I was like, holy moly, I mean, these guys, this is this for real? And I scored, I score in 18 seconds, and I went uh, between Cheesy's legs, and and I grammar grabbed me the puck, and I said, well, geez, maybe I belong here. You know, it, it was just one of those things. We had confidence. It just grew and grew throughout the season, and um, it was a fun, fun year for me to be involved with uh, as a rookie and um, enjoyed, you know, enjoyed playing, you know, with, with the group of guys we had. We had a really good team. You touched on a couple of things there. I want to circle back a little bit. You, you mentioned, you know, uh, Gilbert Perot, Rick Martin, right. and Rainer Robert, the, the French Connection line. And, and you see, you know, throughout the course of hockey history that, you know, certain lines just click. There's a certain chemistry. Guys know where the other guy is. You know, here, not to the level of the French Connection, but, you know, the, the, um, the Mafia line with Phil Esposito right, know, and right. you know, Don, Don Maloney and Don yeah. Murdoch, yeah. the two Dons. But what yeah. made the French Connection line so, so good? It was the, one of the premier lines in, in all of hockey. Well, Don Luce said our line was better than theirs. <laughs> Just kidding. We, we had to check all the top lines, but it was it was it was a, you know they they understood where each other were, and, I, and and again I go back. You know, you had two, three different types of players on that line. You had a shooter in Rick Martin, you could really shoot the puck. You had Drenny Robert that was a playmaker and a shooter, and, and a guy that could you know fight when he needed to, and Gilbert, who was Gilbert. I mean, he could do everything, and um, he just, you know, I've seen him, I've seen him so many times take the puck from behind the net, which you don't see too often. Mary Lemieux is the only other guy that I can recall doing it, go from one end to five guys, and his ability to go laterally with the puck as well as forward was just beyond, and um, just a good, good teammate, and um, never wanted much of the accolades, just passed it off but they just had good chemistry with each other and they were friends they were great friends together the other thing you mentioned is that first season going to the stanley cup finals uh it's actually the only time in your career you make the finals in doing the book on the 78 79 rangers a lot of them look back at that loss to the canadians as a huge opportunity lost and they've always felt that they should have won that game and it still haunts them to this day that you know a lot of them it was their only shot they felt that they were good enough to win Looking back at that Flyers series, a 4-2 series loss to the Flyers, what's the first thing you think of? Bernie Perrant. <laughs> yeah, Bernie Perrant was the difference. I mean, I mean, sure, they had great players. Clark, uh, I can go on and on. Uh, Leach, uh, McLeish, uh, Dornhofer. I mean, there were guys that were, you know, they had talent. but uh, And they were a tough team. You know, you didn't win in Philly too often. And we we won or lost the first two in Philly and came back and won the next two and then lost game five. I think it was 3-2 in Perrant. was unbelievable. We outshot them and we had every, all kinds of chances. We were hoping to grab that game and go back home game six. And we lost uh, on a late shorthanded goal by Billy Clement. That 2 nothing. I think it was him or Kinderchuk. I can't remember. But it was the difference, and we our goaltender Roger Crozier got got hurt, and we had to bring in Jerry Desjardins. And Jerry did okay. I mean, he, he was our backup, but Bernie was Bernie was a difference. Yeah, big time. By the 1979-1980 season, you're the, the captain of the team. You have a career year. You get 56 goals, 33 assists. You lead the league in goals along with Charlie Simmer and Blaine Stoughton. 
When you look at some of the greats that played in that era, that particular season as well, Mike Bossy, Wayne Gretzky, Pierre LaRouche, Guy Lafleur, Steve Shutt, your teammates, you know, the entire French Connection line, throw in right. Daryl Sittler. When you put it in context of those names, that era, that you were the guy who had the most goals in that season, what does that mean to you personally? Oh, it, it, it was an honor. Um, you know, I, I I look at it, you know, I played with Derek Smith and Tony McKegney, who were almost rookies, so that's what made me even more proud of it, brought them along. But our team was a good team. We just, uh, you know, again, uh, I had to score two in the final game to tie those guys, Stoughton and Simmer. And we laugh about it when we see each other. They get a little upset with me because I tied him. I swear, I almost missed an empty net for the hat trick, so you shouldn't be saying too much. I said to him, but no, it was it was a, it was a great year. We had Roger Nielsen behind the bench when Scotty Bowman came in. And Roger, you know, he, he was a great, great uh, teacher and, and, and coach as far as mentoring and, and seeing how players, you know, if you were going, he used you, you know, and he saw things that, you know, that, that I never used to play the power play. The first year I scored 50 on a checking line, I'm pretty proud of that one, too. I only had six power play goals, where wow. most guys that score 50 in the league were getting 25, Plus, 26, yeah. 27. So, I, yeah, it was just an opportunity that I, I took advantage of, and, and, and I appreciated Roger seeing the ability of, you know, what I could do as a goal scorer. I mean, I did score, but uh, getting more opportunities was... was uh, a big part of that 56, yeah. Again, since we're here in New York, I, I want to draw another comparison to your Sabre team and what the Rangers have been going through the last two years at the trading deadline. Um, as in the 81-82 season, the Sabres, 24 games into that season, you guys are 12-5-7, and seven, you're in second place, but Scotty Bowman starts rebuilding and, and trading for youth. He trades Jim Sonfeld, Bob Sove, Derek Smith, yourself, uh, to the Detroit Red Wings for Brent Peterson, Dal McCourt, and Mike Foligno. How did you find out you were traded, and what's your first reaction being a lifelong Sabre and having so much success there to all of a sudden being traded? Well, it was it was it was a shock. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, it, I think it started in the Canada Cup series where we played and lost the Russians the final game, and we shouldn't have. But um, there were you know, it's, it's, if we had a lot more time, I could tell you about it. But it, it was disappointing coming back to Buffalo, and I I had a little break before I came back and, and went to Florida with my wife and. We were getting married. She was pregnant at the time, and um, Scotty had seen, you know, um, I guess I asked him, I said, you know, I'm concerned. I want to really, like, let's get some things on the table here. He said to me, I think you should change your skates. And I said, well, change my skates. He endorsed the ones I wore. So <laughs> it, it was funny. I just felt that things were changing. And um, it was a big blockbuster trade, and, and uh, it took – it turned, I mean, it was it was difficult going to Detroit, but I was proud to be their captain and turn the team around. Uh, we made the playoffs for a couple of years to get Eiserman sat next to me and Gerard Gallant uh, for about three years, and it was just a tough thing. And probably by being traded to a, a team that was not good, the last place team, you know, he was looking to to get. Uh, uh, like, like the Rangers are doing and uh, rebuilding and grabbing, you know, younger players or, or uh, players that he felt they could make a difference. But, um, yeah, it probably hurt my Hall of Fame career, definitely. 
You know, you mentioned that you served as a captain for the Red Wings. You arrived after Ted Lindsay was a GM and coach, but he was still around. Right. And for those not familiar with Ted Lindsay, we, we just lost him this past week. Ted scored over 800 points in his NHL career. He won the Art Ross Trophy in 1950, won the Stanley Cup four times. He was known as Terrible Ted and also helped organize the National Hockey League Players Association in the late 50s, an action which led to his trade to Chicago, incidentally. In 2017, Lindsay was named one of the 100 greatest NHL players in history. What are your memories of Ted, and do you have a favorite Ted Lindsay story? Well, um, you know, Ted, the one thing about you know, that uh, when the Illiches bought the team, Mike and Marion, you know, they, they allowed the, the uh, former alumni, especially, you know, Ted, uh, Sid Abel, uh, Gordy Howe, to come down and they had a stall in the dressing room for them. And Ted used to come down and work out all the time with us. You know, he was, a, he was an amazing shape. He was probably in his mid-60s at the time, Mark. He's just a guy that, you know, loved to chat with the players, loved the game of hockey, you know, what he accomplished and what he did later. Um, you know, what a, you know, what a legacy for him. And um, he was he was just a super guy. But I remember one time, you know, he was saying to me, he said, Danny, he said, you know, these Detroit fans, you know, you guys got to give it a little more. I said, yeah, Ted, we're working at it. We're trying to improve upon it. And he says, you know, we were fortunate. We had really good teams when here, but once you get good, he says these fans will love you here. And you saw that after I left Detroit when they did what they did with the cups and so forth and the teams that they had. But um, it was a, it was a, a different time for me. But I look back on it to be a captain, you know, of an original six team is a real honor, and um, it was a great honor to to be able to spend time with guys, legends like like I mentioned him and Howe and. Del Vecchio and uh, Eddie Jackman. I mean, it was just cool to to, to, to see that how they embraced them in uh, uh, you know in Detroit and 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 the ownership. You know, you have some really nice seasons there as well. And I mentioned before about going to the Cup final in your first season in um, 86-87 at age 32. You go to the Oilers, uh, trying out for the team, a team that's talent-laden team. You know, I you know going in, I don't know legitimately. If there's a roster spot open, if you look at that lineup, but you're still looking for that one more shot at the cup, you do everything in your power in camp, including getting into a fight in an exhibition game with six foot one, two hundred and twelve pound Al Secord. And just a refresher for those that in our that might be younger in our audience who never had the chance to see Danny play. Danny played at five nine, one hundred and seventy five. So first off, what were you thinking when you dropped the gloves with Secord? <laughs> Well, it started actually as a home and home series against Chicago, and they were down. We were down to about 25 players. I'd been in camp for about a month and a half. Left my family, and and Glenn Sather came to me in the Chicago Stadium. He said, "Danny," and I didn't play the two exhibition games before, and I'd had a good camp. And my roommate was at the Tikkun, and he was driving me nuts. And <laughs> I, I, Glenn, Glenn was Glenn came out and before the uh, the warm up and. He said, Danny, I need something from you. I said, well, give me somebody to play with. So I played with Yari Curry that night, and uh, uh, Sumanen was his name. I forget his first name, but we beat him 7-2, and I had a couple goals. And, you know, I was, you know, I felt great about it. We had to go back uh, the next day and play Chicago, and I said, the only thing I haven't done is get in the fight, you know, to try to make this team to show them I really want it. I played against Al Secord a lot, and, 
we battled a few times, and I we got in the corner and we went at it, and he got the better of me that night. But I I, I got signed by Glenn Sather, and, and it was Glenn wanted my um, veteran leadership. He felt um, I leave, I lived with Wayne Gretzky for about a month and a half. Gretz took me in in his penthouse for uh, till my family came in and mess. I sat next to him. And, just a great group of guys. Um, loved every minute of it. Um, unfortunately, in March, uh, Glenn wanted to bring in Yaroslav Puzar, and, and I, I was pretty much uh, at the end of my deal with him, and I had to retire. But I, they brought me back for the Cup Game Seven. I was up for the '94 series when they played Jersey Mets and Mac T, Craig McTavish, and Kevin Lowell flew me in, and I stayed with Craig and Debbie McTavish and. Saw Mark score the hat trick in New Jersey and then felt that that was pretty much the cup for him and went home and visited with my kids and saw them win the cup in New York. And it was just, it was a special time to meet some real special, talented young guys that, you know, I think, um, uh, you know, they, they listened a little bit and they, they were good enough to, to move on and win more cups. So I was very appreciative of my short time in Edmonton, but it was, it was, uh, it was very, uh, I always appreciated Glenn Sather giving me the opportunity. He was good like that. How much of the current Sabres do you get to, to watch? Oh, I watch quite a bit. I'm, my role now, Mark, is the, the Sabres is an ambassador with Perot and Robert and Hashik, and we do quite a few games where, you know, we're up in the suites and charity events and so forth. But I like their team. I think they're in the right direction. They're, they're much like your team in New York. You know, they are rebuilding, obviously. It's... Um, They've got some good cornerstones and guys like Eichel and uh, Reinhardt, Dalene and uh, Reinhardt, M- and Middlestad, Middlestad yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Skinner. They, you know, they, they, they're, they're, they've Ristolainen. got some yeah. thank you, yeah. Um, they've got some pieces and they've got some, um, you know, ways to go. I think it's a process of a young team. You're still learning, you know. And I, I watch them quite a bit. Um, I'm, I, I'm hoping in the next couple of years, you know, they can get to where, they understand what it takes to win, and then, and they fill a few holes, and um, and they learn together because they're a pretty young team. You know, it's interesting because I, there are a lot of parallels to, to maybe the early years with, with you in that team for sure. Um, besides being an ambassador, you also work, uh, you have a synthetic ice company. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I, I can. I appreciate that. Um, our company's called Can Ice. It was after my broadcasting career. I did about 20 something years of broadcasting and i worked here with the lightning uh, down in tampa right now as a matter of fact uh, working at our manufacturer here and um i got introduced by a good friend uh that uh, knew a gentleman that was in the surface uh, industry and he did the turf but he got he got uh, an opportunity to get some product from norway and and i you know we started working on it and the one thing that Synthetic ice has been around a long time, but um, I, I was noticing after three or four years working with this, it, it's all the same. Like, there's no glide, and I think glide is the most important part of it. And with technology now, we are fortunate to meet a company here, second largest plastic company in Tampa, and, and they have uh, a different type of te- technique and how they, how they make it, and it's heat plant press, so it's a lot harder, guys, and, the, and, and it's the polymer... Uh, is different um, than the than our competitors, and the glide is probably three four times better. It's almost eighty five percent like ice, and we've got 
couple of great players using it as training uh, tools for them in the summertime. Sidney Crosby uses it, our, our product, Jonathan Taves. We have a lot of, um, you know, I think institutional sales we've done. The one in Old Bridge, New Jersey, it was a seasonal rink. And, and to me, I really enjoy it because it's a great development piece for young kids. I wish I had it when I was a kid. You could put it in your basement. You don't have to go to the rink. Right. You know, you can put it in your backyard. We're endorsed by Hockey Canada. So, you know, to me, I, I'm excited about our product right now. Um, if people wanted to maybe check our website, it's www.can-ice.com because um, you can get better if you work on it. I found that out when I was younger when I used to shoot pucks on my sneakers, but the kids have the ability to skate now on this product, and it's pretty cool stuff. I mean, we're excited about it. It's awesome. In fact, I, you know, had I not downsized and still had a house, that would be definitely in my backyard <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Exactly. Lastly, exactly. before we let you go, you're inducted to the Buffalo Sabres Hall of Fame in 1994. November 22, 2005, your number 18 jersey is retired by the Sabres. At the time, you were only the fifth player. Now there's a sixth that's been added. What do those honors mean to you personally? Well, you, you never think about those when you play the game, but um, it, it's, it, it's a great honor. Um, I mean, it says that you maybe did something for the organization and they appreciate the fans of the organization. Um, you know, I, I was very moved when I, Larry Quinn, the president of the team, asked me uh, that, I, you know, we are going to, or he told me we were gonna, they were going to retire my number and, and have a night for me. So uh, it was. It's great for my family. You know, all the people that helped me to get where I, I was in the game. My teammates that helped me. My coaching staff, trainers, and so forth. So it, it was a great honor. And my children. I mean, my children get to go see that every night and, and see my banner there if they're at a concert or even at a hockey game. And that's that's pretty neat stuff. Even my grandchildren kind of like it too. So Papa's Papa's hanging up in the rafters and. <laughs> And, um, no, it was, it was, it, and I wasn't there a long time, which was kind of, you know, uh, seven years, but, um, it was, it was something that, uh, times that I, I'll never forget and I'll always cherish. Awesome, Danny. Thank you so much for your time tonight. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, guys. Appreciate it so much. You got it, Danny Gare, two time All Star, member of the Sabres Hall of Fame.